As we, as we continue our worship this afternoon, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We have worshipped the Lord in song. We have worshipped the Lord uh, in silence. We have worshipped the Lord in giving. We have worshipped the Lord even in weeping and in crying. All of this has been worshipped because all of it focuses our hearts upward toward our God. And now we worship the Lord by hearing His voice through His Word. Matthew 24, I'm going to begin reading in verse 15 down through verse 31. This is the Word of the living God and the risen King, Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 and verse 15, So... When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And what do God's people say to that? Amen and amen and amen. And what else do God's people say to this? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. As we pray, I want you to join 
with me in reciting and praying together the Lord's Prayer. I want us to have these next few moments with a kind of felt sense of our unity as we pray the Lord's Prayer together in unison, though we are scattered throughout our communities. Will you, will you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get to our focus in our text today, let me just say a couple of things about the early paragraphs in our text. In verses 15 through 26, uh, Jesus says a few things, makes some predictions that uh, we want to at least notice, but I want to forewarn you, and that's not the right word, I want to let you know ahead of time uh, that our focus is going to be on the last part of the text just read. But first, Jesus mentions that there would be something in the last days or in the future from when he spoke, something called an abomination of desolation, a desecration of the holy. We find this in verses 15 through 20. He speaks of some kind of desecrating of the holy place and of holy things. And this, this text has been interpreted in who knows how many different ways through the centuries. Some feel it happened a little bit before Jesus. Some say it happened in 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem. Some think it is yet to happen as some kind of dramatic act by the Antichrist happens. There is also debate about whether this is a one-time event or a repeated and an escalating desecration such as we see in the world today. There, there is no doubt as we look at our world today that there, there is a desecrating, a dishonoring, a demeaning of all things sacred and beautiful and good. Whatever the case that Jesus is talking about here, I think it is safe to say that he is saying that as time presses on and as his return draws near, there will be such an escalation of evil that a sacrilegious, blasphemous desecrating of everything holy will take place in our world. Everything holy will be treated with hatred, will be treated with disrespect. And on top of that, Jesus says, there will be great tribulation and many false prophets and false messiahs. And he says in verse 22 that this attack on all things holy 
and the tribulation are going to be such that if not for the delivering hand of God to cut short those days, nobody would survive. But for the sake of God's elect, for the sake of God's chosen ones, those days will be cut short and God will come to the rescue. And all of this is going to play out as God plans and as God ordains in God's timing. That's about the best I can do in my understanding of some of this text. But what I want us to see today in, 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 light, in light of our world today, in light of COVID, in light of George Floyd, in light of severe unrest and grief and pain, in light of human division and ignorance and misunderstanding and hatred, in light of everything around us that is broken, that is beaten down, that is bound, that is belittled, that is besieged, in light of all of that, I want us to focus on the return of the King. The King is coming back. And I'm going to take this text as it's been taken by virtually every Christian since Jesus left earth 2,000 years ago. This is about King Jesus making His reappearance, His return, His triumphant unveiling and revealing or revelation as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And I, I want to share with you five truths about the return of the King that we find in this text. Five truths about the return of the King. These are going to be simple and brief, but oh how I pray that they will be powerful by the Spirit's work in our lives. Truth number one, the return of the King will not be missed. It will not be missed. Everyone is going to know it's happening. Notice verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out there. If they say to you, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe. And in other words, if, if somebody comes along and says, oh, Jesus came back, but he came back in the wilderness or in some secret place, don't buy it. For, verse 27, as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, the revealing and the unveiling of the King of Kings is not going to happen in secret. It's not going to be something that anyone misses. No, when it happens, you're going to know about it. And everyone is going to know about it. When this happens in that split second, of unveiled majesty when the heavens open up. The, the whole world is going to know in that moment the truth will be revealed. In that moment, all questions, all doubts, all confusion, all uncertainty will be gone in that moment, we will see Him. We will behold the King. I've, oft, I've often thought about 
what it's going to be like in heaven just before that moment. For all of these thousands of years, however long it has been, when the angels have been in the presence of God and and God has had His plan and and it has unfolded in the coming of the King. First of all, all the predictions about the King's coming and then the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Angels watching and looking saying, seeing it unfold and, and develop, and then Jesus comes and He dies, and then He is raised from the dead, and He ascends up into glory, and, and the angels don't know when the next thing is going to happen. When, when is Jesus going to be unveiled? When is He going to be revealed? And I've, I've imagined the scene in heaven, maybe just a, a few minutes before the moment when Jesus rends the clouds and rends the heavens and comes down where, where the Father maybe calls all the angels together and all are the saints who have gone on before us together and say, it's about to happen. Watch this. Watch this. And the angels and, and all those who have loved Christ who have gone before us, the, the, the excitement that, that must be that's going to build in that moment as they anticipate. And then it happens. And we then see what the angels and the saints have been seeing for all this time. We will see the King in His glory. And doubts will be gone. And faith faith will be swallowed up by sight. And all the uncertainties and confusion will give way to eternal certainty eternal knowledge, eternal reality. No one's going to miss it. As far as the east is from the west, just like when a brilliant flash of lightning rends the skies and you see it from one horizon to the other, even more so when Jesus comes, He is going to brighten darkness everywhere with His appearing, and we shall behold Him with our eyes. The return of the King will not be missed. Number two, the return of the King will rock the cosmos. It is going to shake things up everywhere. Notice verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. These verses are understood differently. Some see in these verses images referring to the fall and to the ruin of political powers and spiritual powers in the spiritual realm. Others see it as referencing the final dissolution and, and ruin of all things before Christ makes it all new. But both are true and are going to happen. The political world and the material world and the cosmos, everything evil, everything powerful that is broken and corrupt, it's all going to come tumbling down. Everything that's cursed in this world will come crashing down so that a new order can begin. The whole established order of things, from those who rule the spiritual realm to those who rule planet Earth, all of it is going to be thrown down. A new world, a new order 
ruled over, sovereignly governed by the King of Kings, is going to begin. The return of the King is going to rock the cosmos. It is going to shake everything up and change everything everywhere. Number three, the return of the King will grieve, it will grieve the unbelieving. The return of the King will grieve the unbelieving. Matthew 24 and verse 30, Then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. People everywhere will mourn. Why will they mourn at the appearing of the great King? They will mourn because they are not ready to meet Him. They will mourn because it will be the moment of truth. A moment of truth that comes a moment too late for them. At that moment, it will be too late for them. Those who have refused to believe will grieve in that moment. It will be the ultimate moment of regret. It will be that moment when the knowledge of the truth dawns on their minds and their hearts. And they will realize in that moment this Jesus whom we rejected, this Jesus whom we spurned, this Jesus whom we refused to believe in, He is the Christ. And every tongue will confess that He is Lord. But it will be too late. And all who have rejected Him, and all who have done evil, and all who have practiced injustice, who have practiced oppression, who have hated without repentance, will mourn. The return of the King will not be missed. It will rock the cosmos. It will grieve the unbelieving. And fourth, the return of the King will be filled with glory. Filled with glory. Look at verse 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Oh, for words. Words to match the promise. When He comes, He is going to come on the clouds of heaven. He's going to ride the clouds as a triumphant conqueror. And He's going to come on the clouds of heaven with power. With power and what? Not just glory. Not some glory, but great glory. He is going to come with power and great glory. This is, there, there aren't going to be any shadows here. There's not going to be anything dim. There's no darkness. There's no obscurity. It is going to be this blaze of splendor, this blaze of glory. The King is coming, 
And He is going to be crowned with majesty. Crowned with glory. There is going to be brightness all about Him. There is going to be beauty all about Him. There is going to be wonder all about Him. And we're going to see Him riding the clouds. Coming for us. And oh, what a sight it's going to be. The old hymn, he is coming again. He is coming again. He is coming again with power and great glory. He is coming again. The return of the King is not going to be missed by anyone. It will rock the cosmos everywhere. It will grieve the unbelieving. It will be filled with glory. And finally, the return of the King will ingather and glorify the chosen. It will ingather, gather in, it will ingather and glorify the chosen. Matthew 24, verse 31, And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. When Jesus comes, He is coming for us. When Jesus comes, He is coming to gather in His elect, to gather in God's chosen people. All those chosen from before the world was even made to live forever in the new world that is yet to be made. He is coming to gather us in. From every direction, from every corner, if you will, of this round globe. From everywhere. He is going to gather. There's going to be this trumpet call. There's going to be this in-gathering. And it won't be just an in-gathering. It will be an in-gathering for an upgoing. It will be an in-gathering in which we are glorified, we are transformed, we are changed to be like Him. So we read in Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven. Dear Christian, dear believer, understand this. Know this to be true. Our citizenship right now, our true citizenship, our highest citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will this Savior do when He comes? He will, Paul writes, transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Our King is coming and He's coming for us. And in the moment we see Him, we shall be changed. We shall be like Him in His glory and in His majesty. This will be the revealing, not just of the King, but this will be the revealing of those who love the King. This will be the revealing, not just of God, but of the children of God. Listen, listen to 1 John chapter 3. 
and verse 1. 1 John 3 and verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Just think about that. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are, John writes. The reason why the world does not know us, that is, the reason the world doesn't know we are the children of God is that it did not know Him. Didn't even know the Son of God when He came to earth. But John goes on, Beloved, we are God's children now. Now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know. Now we think, now we hope, now we fantasize, not we dream. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. What we now are as the children of God will be revealed on that day. Do, do, do you want to be seen for who you are? Do you, do you want to be really seen for who you are and what you were made to be? The day is coming when that's going to happen. When the King comes in all of His glory, He is going to raise you and He's going to raise me, those of us who are the children of God, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to raise us up. And in the words of Romans 8, it's going to be the revealing, not just of Christ, but of the children of God. The whole world is going to see in that moment who we really are. We who are so lowly, we who are so impoverished, we who are treated such and such and in, with injustice and all the rest, we who are mistreated, we, me, we who are, are misunderstood, on that day we will be understood, on that day we will be seen, on that day we will be known as the King comes, gathers in His elect, gathers upward His elect and transforms us for eternity. Do you want to be seen? As a human being made in the image of God and one day perfected and glorified like God's Son? Well, first of all, make sure you are a believer in Christ. You see, the destiny... There's two groups, those who trust Christ, that will be gathered in. And then there are those who have rejected Christ who will mourn. That day will be the dividing day. That day will be the reckoning day. You and I need to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior now. We need to trust that He died for our sins and He rose from the dead and that He is Lord and King today, alive and reigning until He's made all of His enemies His footstool and then He's going to split open the heavens. We need to believe that and pledge our allegiance to Jesus. And if we do that, then that day will be glorious. If we refuse, that day will be horrifying. 
that day will be our ruin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and you will one day be glorified with Him. Brothers and sisters, in these trying days, um, this, is, this is where we need to focus. If we look horizontally, if we look outward, at best, there is hope for modest change. But the day is coming when Jesus is going to change everything. This is a certain hope. This is our blessed hope, as the Apostle puts it. We need to look here throughout the Scriptures, throughout the New Testament. This was the ultimate promise that New Testament believers held on to. They knew that Jesus was coming back. They knew He was going to rend the heavens. They knew He was going to make all things right. And in the knowledge of that, we're able to face all kinds of tribulation and hardship. And if we know this with certainty, with conviction, with confidence, with boldness in our own hearts, we will be able to face anything and keep on going with our eyes on the skies in the hope in the certainty that one of these days those skies are going to open and Jesus will be seen. May God give us faith. May God give us hope. May God give us a sense of wonder and joy. And everyone who has this hope in Him, John writes, purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who has this hope in him or her will commit to Christ and to a holy life and to a life of faith and a life of hope. May God enable us to do that. Let's pray. Father, would you please, would you please make this glorious hope, this blessed hope, our sure and certain hope. May we be unwavering and undaunted in the face of the circumstances of this world, Lord, give us courage, give us faith, give us the endurance that is inspired by hope. Let us press on knowing that no one can defeat us and that in the end, everyone will know who Jesus is and who we are as your sons and daughters forever and ever. And indeed, Lord Jesus, would you please come quickly for us. In your precious name, amen.